Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever the Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning, Birdland. I'm Mark Brown. I've been blogging about the Orioles for more than a decade on CamdenChat.com and waiting for them to win the World Series for my whole life. Thanks for listening today. Let's talk some Orioles. It is now June the 19th, 2023. The Orioles are 44-27 and 27 after winning on Sunday against the Chicago Cubs, dodging what could have been their first sweep in more than a year. And in fact, the Orioles have not been swept since Adley Rutschman arrived on the team. So that's a pretty impressive streak. It actually goes one series beyond the arrival of Adley Rutschman as the series before they called him up, the Orioles lost the first three games of a series against the Yankees before they won the fourth game, avoided the sweep, and then Adley Rutschman was called up in the next series against the Rays on May the 21st, and the Orioles, well, they haven't been swept since then, so that's pretty fun. Fun that that is continuing, especially after a game on Sunday afternoon where, frankly, a whole lot of dumb stuff was piling up that could have been the kind of dumb stuff you experience uh, in an Orioles loss. And some of these include things that I didn't actually get to watch since the game was on Peacock, a subscription service to which I do not subscribe. Uh, And so that's a whole other rant. It's dumb that you can't actually watch the Orioles, even if you pay for the cable channel or MLB.tv package that includes the Orioles. But the dumb stuff included really in the very first inning Austin Hayes got thrown out at home on a fly ball that really sounded egregious to have him run at all. And then immediately after that happened and ended the top of the first inning, Dean Kramer gave up a first pitch dinger to the guy who had just thrown out Austin Hayes at the plate. So 
I mean, I always hate seeing runners get thrown out at home. It feels like the Orioles must lead in runners being thrown out at home. That's probably not actually true if someone was going to fact check me, but it certainly feels like an egregious amount that the Orioles do it between, uh, I mean, really more than the fly ball stuff is when it's like the contact play when there's a guy at third base and the guy just gets absolutely hung out to dry, whatever. Uh, There was also Ryan O'Hearn mystifyingly playing right field, which is a thing the Orioles just do. And I I mean, honestly, this is probably the first time it's really burned them. He committed a three-base error on what probably should have been a catchable ball. It was actually initially ruled as a triple before the scorer changed their mind and decided to be less generous to the Cubs batter. And, And so that got changed to an error. And so the two-run home run that was hit right after the three-base error then went to be unearned runs against Kramer. Uh, Later, Josh Lester, who ended up playing first base for the day after Gunnar Henderson was a late scratch and the lineup was shaken around a bit, he missed catching a foul ball near the dugout. Again, I didn't see this. It seemed from people who were watching Twitter, maybe that was catchable. I don't know. Um, Lester... You know, it's a nice story that he came up and finally got his first big league hit, but whatever. Um, The 2023 Orioles are not here to be minting. You finally got a big league chance. You finally got your big league hit, first appearance, first strikeout, whatever. You know, the 2023 Orioles are here to win. So Lester, I am sure, will not be here any longer than it takes for Ryan Mountcastle to get better from his vertigo. Now, of course, you may have your own hope for... Ryan Mountcastle will be shuffled off for somebody else, but that's another thing. But anyway, back to Sunday's game. There was also Mike Bauman hitting two batters while failing to complete the seventh inning. And yet, in spite of these things, it was an Orioles win by a score of 6-3. to three. Austin Hayes had three hits and also got hit by a pitch, bringing his season OPS up to 875. Ryan O'Hearn, although his defense was maligned, he had two hits and two runs scored. Aaron Hicks was on base three times, added a stolen base to his Orioles tally. Ramon Urias drove in two runs. Yenir Cano had a scoreless one and one-third innings, including coming in after Bauman got into the jam to close out that seventh inning. Cano got his ERA back underneath one, so he's got a 0.99 ERA, which is pretty cool. Felix Bautista, a 1-2-3 ninth inning with only one strikeout, which feels light for him. Yes, two batters actually did put the ball in play. I believe both grounded out to second base. So that was Bautista's 19th save. And so this puts the Orioles on a 100 win pace with 91 games still to be played. Yes, I'm still taking the under. I do not think the Orioles are going to win 100 games for the first time in my entire life. Uh, You know, indeed, and it has not happened since the 1980 season in which the Orioles did not make the playoffs because that was long before the wild card era, and the New York Yankees of that season won 103 games. So I'm glad we don't have to worry about that anyway. I guess we could have, if the Orioles somehow did win 100 games, they still might not win the division, but I feel reasonably confident a 100-win season would at least get the first wild card spot. But anyway, I am going to still take the under. I'm sorry I always say that, but you know... I don't think this is a 100-win team, as fun as it has been so far. Uh, You know, they went 10-8, and exactly as I hoped they would, across the not-gauntlet. They have been 10-7 and since Cedric Mullins got hurt. So, I mean, you know, 
this is a team that has some issues, especially with like the bullpen, other than Cano and Bautista, and maybe on a generous day, Danny Colum. They've got a rotation that I think has too much tendency to need to have short outings uh, that kind of exposes the soft part of that bullpen. And yet, here they are, through all the problems, they are 44 and 27. They are five games back of the Tampa Bay Rays in the division. They are five games ahead of the New York Yankees, who are in third place in the division. So that's pretty fun to be five games ahead of the Yankees, I got to say. And coming out of this, the Orioles are going from the gauntlet to the not gauntlet to what's kind of a sort of gauntlet. Their next 18 games between now and the All-Star break will have 15 games that are against teams currently within one game of a playoff spot. Now, the only exception there is a three-game series against the Seattle Mariners. However, a total of those nine games are against teams in one or the other central division, in uh, center, league central division, which are just obviously the weakest divisions in uh, all of Major League Baseball so far this year. That's six games against the Twins, the Twins who would be in last place with their current record if they were in the American League East. So... You know, going to have to make hay against the AL Central and really against the NL Central, too, although the Orioles have failed to do this in their most recent two series against that division as they lost uh, two out of three against the Brewers and now two out of three against the Cubs. But three against the Reds at home are in there as well. So maybe the biggest question going into this week will be, are reinforcements coming imminently to the big league roster? As anybody who's looking at minor league box scores is continuing to get excited for Colton Kowser as well as Jordan Westberg. Kowser, uh, now through 47 games with the Norfolk Tides, is batting 341 with a 472 on-base percentage and a 547 slugging percentage. Those are some pretty darn good numbers. I think he's probably not fully back in the swing as much as the Orioles would like him after recovering from the quad injury that had him on the minor league injured list. He has not played, uh, I believe, full games on consecutive days more than once since uh, coming back from the injured list. So probably they're going to want to have him do more of a full workload before they call him up. But I don't know. They can figure that out. Of course, he doesn't even have to play every day right now because the Orioles could option Ryan McKenna and then figure out some kind of playing time mix with Austin Hayes, Anthony Santander, and Aaron Hicks, all of whom are currently playing capably or better or even much better. And, you know, uh, Cedric Mullins is going to be back soon. So then the Orioles would have to juggle the bench again. I don't know. Maybe they don't want to call Kowser up while Mullins is return is within the next month. I don't know, but it seems like it just feels like he's too good to be in the minors, you know, and the same is true of Jordan Westberg. He's got 17 home runs. He's got a 941 OPS in 62 games for the Norfolk Tides. A bit tougher to fit him in since he is a right-handed batter and uh, the Orioles infield has a number of right-handed batters in the mix already. Still, Jorge Mateo is OPSing 433 over his last 30 games. That's a brutal stretch. And again, I mean, the Orioles, they're winning games, even despite having an absolute black hole of offense in the shortstop spot whenever Mateo plays. But it feels like they're going to have to do something to improve on that or maybe have a better hitting Westberg if he's able to out hit Adam Frazier. Um you know, it is possible that either of these prospects will struggle over their first 
months or beyond in the majors. You know, it happened to Adley Rutschman. It happened over the first six weeks or so this season with Gunnar Henderson. So, you know, I I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. As far as Jordan Westberg, it seems like people on Orioles Twitter are convincing themselves there's an imminent promotion because of a series of promotions that were reported by Mass and Steve Malewski that included infielder Cesar Prieto getting promoted from Bowie to Norfolk. So I think people are wish-casting from that that the uh, addition of an infielder in Norfolk means Norfolk is about to send an infielder to the Orioles. We will probably find that out on Tuesday unless somehow news leaks on Monday, if it was going to happen. But I'll just say this word of caution. Any guess that Mike Elias will not call up whatever prospect yet is more often right than not so far. So... I am not going to expect Jordan Westberg um, to come up until I see him up. Although, having said that, I'm going to be going to the gym on Tuesday afternoon, and if it was going to happen, it's going to happen when I'm at the gym. So, you know, maybe you can use that as another sign that it's going to happen. A few other ranked guys that we've talked about on this podcast, ranked guys in the Orioles system who were moving up include Pitcher Justin Armbruster going to Norfolk as well. Outfielder Judd Fabian going to Bowie. And heading to Aberdeen is pitcher Juan Nunez. Not yet a promotion for Jackson Holiday. I don't know why. Maybe that'll come next week. I don't know. Uh, a couple other guys who got promotions uh, that I mentioned recently on this show, although they're not ranked on the composite prospect list, include John Pinto and Alex Pham, a pair of pitchers who are going from Aberdeen to Bowie. So good luck to all of those guys at their new levels. It will certainly be nice if the Orioles can mine some prospects, especially pitching prospects among the ranks of less regarded or even not regarded uh, players before go as far as the lists going into this season. I will be right back after a message from a fans first sports network sponsor. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. If you'd like to email me, you can write in to CamdenCastPod at gmail.com. If you have any Orioles opinion you'd like to get out there into the universe to people who maybe are not tired of hearing you talk about the Orioles already, or if you've just got a question you'd like me to answer in a future episode. Thank you to everybody who's written in so far. All right, so let's move on to some prospects of the episode. So from now, for a few more episodes, I'm going to talk about one prospect who was kind of unheralded going into the season and then going back to the top of the list to revisit some guys who were at the top to see how their season is going so far. So for an unheralded guy who was really unranked on nearly any Orioles prospect list going into the season that I saw is catching prospect Creed Willems. And Willems received an overslot bonus of $1 million in the eighth round of the 2021 draft out of a Texas high school. The Orioles paid him that overslot bonus to keep him from uh, honoring a college commitment to TCU. And they were able to make that overslot signing in part because of going underslot with their number one selection that year, Colton Kowser. So at the time that um, Willems was drafted, the Orioles team PR release that was put out about the draft had a quote from scouting director Brad Sielek that said, quote, we had him here at Camden Yards and he hit three or four balls onto Utah Street, end quote. So, I mean, that's a pretty exciting thing for, you know, any 18-year-old hitter if they showed up for a private batting practice at Camden Yards and already were putting balls onto Utah Street. So that was the team PR. Now, every not team paid outlet that actually bothered to say something about Creed Willems basically either politely said what uh, will be when they talk about a player needing conditioning, which some writers will be less polite about that and basically just say that the player is fat. And if you look at his uh, profile picture on baseballreference.com, go there and put in Creed Willems. That's W-I-L-L-E-M-S. That is a dude who looks like he uh, is a solid dude. And even if he loses weight, is probably always going to be a solid dude. So, okay. In the 2022 season, after getting that overslot bonus as getting his first full pro season, Willems played 68 games for the Loe Delmarva Shorebirds. He batted only 190 with a 264 on base percentage, 321 slugging percentage. As a catcher, he threw out only 22% of runners. You know, that's a tough first full season pro debut, even for a guy who is expected to be a development prospect. So going into this season, he really wasn't on the lists, even the thorough ones. Fangraphs had 38 Orioles prospect ranked and another uh, 11 guys who were kind of um, assorted honorable mentions, and there was no Creed Willems on there. My fellow Orioles podcasters, the prospect focused on The Verge, has a top 50 list with no mention of Creed Willems in that top 50. So, okay, 2023, repeating the low-age Marvel level to start the season. 
Well, Willems hit 302 with a 442 on base percentage and a 615 slugging percentage. That included eight home runs in 30 games for Delmarva. So suddenly, okay, that's interesting. Made him at least noticing a little bit. And, you know, the team noticed they promoted him to Aberdeen before um, his 20th birthday. So he got there a little earlier in June. And with Aberdeen, okay, through Sunday's game, he's a bit down again. Uh, to adjust at that level. He's only got a 204 on base percentage, 313 slugging percentage, 389, excuse me, 313 on base and 389 slugging percentage. He is up to 33% in throwing out base dealers, also playing a little bit of time at first base. He has reportedly shed some weight this year, although again, he's still a solid dude. And by the way, if you want to see, I think I think the baseball reference profile picture might be his last year picture. And then if you go to MILB.com and search for Creed Willems' profile on there, I think that is a uh, 2023 picture that does look like a more athletic, although still large guy. So Willems, I don't know. I mean, Aberdeen, we hear, okay, it's a rough hitting environment for pretty much everybody not named Jackson Holiday and maybe to a lesser extent, the just promoted to Bowie, Judd Fabian. So we don't want to be too harsh about Willems. And also, you know, maybe he just needs to adjust. He's moved up a level. But, I mean, it's interesting that he was able to get himself out of Shorebird's purgatory, repeating the level there. Certainly, it will be exciting if he's able to heat up enough to continue to be exciting at Aberdeen. I am more interested in him than I was before this minor league season began, certainly. And, you know, we'll see where he can end up going from here. But going back around to the top of the list, let's revisit Gunnar Henderson. He was, of course, the preseason number one, and it's been two and a half months since we spoke about him last in the prospect of the episode segment. So let's run through his season a little bit so far. Henderson batted just 189 in April, although he did offset that by walking 18% of the time. So, I mean, getting being below the Mendoza line is disappointing, but a guy who can still add value while being below the Mendoza line is at least encouraging. In the month of May, he got above the Mendoza line, although his OBP dropped a good amount, but he was also slugging a lot more. And in June, it feels like everything has been clicking so far, as in the 12 games he's played in June, he's got a 1.119 OPS. Pretty good. Late scratch from Sunday's lineup, manager Brandon Hyde told the Peacock broadcast that it was a stomach flu for Henderson that has been going around the clubhouse. So obviously get well soon, Gunner, and anyone else who has been afflicted by that stomach flu. These things all led up to the following season batting line for Henderson, a 237 batting average, maybe a little bit lower than you like, but keeping the walk rate good with a 343 slugging percentage and showing good power with a 449 slugging percentage. I think that if you had gone back before the season started and said, okay, in the middle of June, Gunnar Henderson is going to be hitting like that. I think you would have been happy with that. Again, I mean, maybe we'd like to average a little bit higher, 250 or even 260, but that's a great walk rate. The slugging is pretty good for a 21-year-old player. It's added up to 1.4 baseball reference war uh, through Sunday's games and in the uh, rate, the the league adjusted stats, that is a 121 in both OPS plus and the more sabermetric friendly weighted runs created plus. So that's talking 21% above the league average batter. 
it's hard not to be happy about that. Henderson may be a bit concerning over the whole season, a 29.1% strikeout rate, although that has been better lately, only 23% strikeouts over the last 28 days. One thing I am keeping an eye on, on top of these other things, is a bit of a struggle against left-handed pitchers in this way. Gunnar Henderson does not have an extra base hit against a left-handed pitcher this season. So, yeah, that is something that I hope he can change. It'll be, I think, uh, you know, tough for him to keep up improved performance if he is hitting for zero power whatsoever against left-handed pitchers. But for now, I mean... It's hard to complain, again, about that 121 OPS plus WRC plus. The only really way you can complain is if you compare him to fellow rookie in the National League, Corbin Carroll, who I did kind of think was going to be an interesting comparison to Henderson going into this season. These guys were fellow high 2019 draft picks out of the high school ranks that year, although Carroll was more of a mid-first round pick rather than a um, competitive balance round pick as the Orioles did. Both of these guys pretty rapidly advanced through the minors. They debuted late last year, conveniently just in time for them to get about a month of experience while not losing their Rookie of the Year eligibility going into the 2023 season. Both made opening day rosters this year. So Corbin Carroll entering Sunday, well, there's really no qualifications or any hemming and hawing to do about his performance as he's batting 307 with a 389 on base and 593 slugging percentage. He has hit 15 home runs. He has stolen 19 bases. He is worth 3.6 baseball reference war. So, you know, more than double Henderson through the games he's played this season. Carroll has also been very great in June, but he was very good in April and May as well. He got the contract extension, eight years, $111 million. I, I still thought, okay, maybe that would have been in the ballpark for Henderson, we might have been more anxious about such a contract having been given to Henderson over April and May, rounding into better form in June. I don't know. I guess we'll see um, if he's a player where you wish he'd sign him long run or not. But Carroll, I mean, he's an easy National League Rookie of the Year favorite. It's good that Henderson does not have to compete against him. He will be competing against some guys like Texas's Josh Young, who entered Sunday with an 839 OPS and 2.1 BWAR. Uh, Houston Astros, Hunter Brown, no relation to me that I know of, with a 3.35 ERA across 13 games pitched this season. Maybe even guys like Oakland's Ryan Noda with an 828 OPS and 1.8 BWAR for the season. Uh, Red Sox outfielder Masataka Yoshida, although he's a little older for a rookie uh, since he was a foreign import. Those guys can be considered for rookies. Ichiro Suzuki won famously his award, even though he was an established pro by the time he came over. But Yoshida has an 862 OPS, although only 0.9 BWAR. Maybe Los Angeles Angel Zach Neto with a 769 OPS, but very good defense, getting him to 1.9 BWAR. Or even an Orioles rookie who's leading Henderson is Yenier Cano, who entered Sunday with 2.2 BWAR. That would sure be something if an Oriole wins the Rookie of the Year and it's Cano, because he impressed people so much with both his first two months and then hopefully beyond. Uh, that wouldn't get the Orioles a draft pick. They only get the new draft pick if Henderson wins the Rookie of the Year. But, I mean, if if Cano pitches so well that he wins Rookie of the Year, I guess the best we can hope is that Henderson plays well enough that he finishes in second place or something. Um, 
I am happy with how Gunner's played lately, and I hope he can look more like, say, the last four weeks than he was looking in the month of April. And, you know, I've always been high on Henderson since he burst out as a prospect, and I think that he's going to be able to keep doing that. So let's hope that's to the benefit of the 2023 Orioles. So that's all I've got for today. If you're enjoying this podcast, subscribe on your favorite platform and leave a rating or review and tell an Orioles fan in your life about the show. New episodes will be out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning, so I will be back with you on Wednesday, hopefully with a nice Orioles game from Tuesday night to talk about on that show. In between now and then, you can leave a comment on camdenchat.com. You'll find me on there in the comments with the name EatMoreSK. And you can also tweet at me at camdenchat on Twitter. Good Morning Birdland is a Camden Cast production on the Fans First Sports Network. Until next time, go O's.